Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. That's it. There she blows, man. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, boys and girls. Hello, everybody. I'm Joel Cheeseman. This is Chad. On this week's show, LinkedIn hits the half billion mark, automation continues to make us all irrelevant, and stop me if you've heard this one before, job boards are not dead quite yet. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So stick around. Want a productivity tool that you can provide to your recruiters that is easy to use and instantly eliminates the busy work of recruiting? Making your recruiters two times faster on the web? Then you'll want to check out Web Clip Drop which is a browser-based productivity tool that your recruiters will love. Using Web Clip Drop, your recruiters can instantly clip any profile or resume from any site online, and then they can drop that data into your applicant tracking system, CRM, or even send a clean profile URL to hiring managers for review, saving hours of copying and pasting data, or cleaning resumes for introduction. Web Clip Drop can also find the email contact information for most professional contacts online saving you thousands of dollars in fees for paper contact sites. There's much more this powerful and simple tool can do. Check it out now at webclipdrop.io and use the promo code HIREDAILY2017, no spaces, to get an exclusive offer only for podcast listeners. Chad, how's your NFL draft going this week? Ah, it's going really well. M. Lat was out there quick. We got uh, Hooker. Uh, my my Colts took uh, yeah. took Hooker. Yeah, I mean, looking good. All but stupid Browns, man. Picking Jabril Peppers. Come on, man. You can't, can't, can't be. You cannot. Hey, as we got a, the best. As, we got the best player in the draft, which is all right because we were that uh, bad. Yeah. And uh, and day two, I'm 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 hopeful about Kaiser. We'll see. We'll yeah, but you don't pick I, a Wolverine, man. That's ridiculous. I know, especially one who doesn't have an official position. No, because he's too small to be to be a <laughs> linebacker. That's why. Oh, well, Anton Randall L was okay. Maybe Peppers will be uh, half half that good. Yeah. But you know who is winning draft is Zip Recruiter. I don't know if you've seen them all, all over the place. Yeah, how can you not see them or hear them? I hear them on XM Radio all the freaking time. We need to get them on the show because they've been yeah. advertising traditionally for a long time. And I would yeah. say Zip and Indeed are the only commercials that I see. Um, not that I'm watching all the stations, but yeah. those those are the two that are definitely out there. Um, Indeed makes more sense because there may be an IPO in their future and they need to build brand awareness. But Zip Recruiter is just straight up traditional advertising. Uh, must be working because they've been doing it for a long time. Dude, cash is flowing. That's all I got to say. Uh, and speaking of cash is flowing, our first news item from the week uh, takes us to LinkedIn. Someone, you know, someone new finally for Imagine the podcast. That. Imagine that, right? <laughs> well, they uh, they blogged this week that they had hit the 500 million member mark. Um, and what caught me funny was I, you and I are old enough to remember the days when job boards would celebrate a million resumes. <laughs> Some and, of them and we're, we're finally to a point where we're almost at a billion professional profiles. Yeah. You know, some of them still do, by the way. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, back in back in the day when it was the six, you know, degrees from Kevin Bacon kind of thing that they were doing. Um, but I yeah. mean, I remember I remember Monster specifically with on their site one million resumes. Yeah, but you're old. 
we're both old. Man. You're older than I am. Let's not forget that. One day. One day. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, so it's not all rosy. Uh, some, some studies have come out that say about 25% of that $500 million are actually using the site. Right. And I think that uh, Microsoft buying the company – you know, we'll see how they how they transition from a destination site similar to maybe Facebook to something that's more integrated into Microsoft products and services. Yeah. That's where I see them going. I don't know about you. Those are two those are two entirely different things though. So you take a look at LinkedIn, which is not a lifestyle platform unless you are talent acquisition or a recruiter and you're in there every day looking for for candidates. Um, but Facebook, I mean, Facebook is a lifestyle, uh, platform. Snapchat is a lifestyle platform. I mean, you're in there every day to, to, in, um, to have conversations with your friends, to engage. I mean, every single day. Same thing with Rally Point on, on the military side of the house. LinkedIn's not there. They're not, you know, they're not that, uh, they're more of the professional. If I want to brush up my resume, if I need to brush up on my interview questions, or maybe I want to look at the, you know, find the newest TED talk on leadership and LinkedIn might be a good place to go. But when you take a look at, so that's, that's on the, the, the lifestyle side of the house. Then you take a look at the integrations with Microsoft. And I think this will be, this is where they're going to make their money. Uh, they integrate if they, and well, they are going to integrate with, uh, Dynamics 365, the, the CRM and the HR management tool side of the house. Talking about half, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about a ton of candidates that are now going to be able to, you can start pulling those individuals into a CRM or HR management tool. So I think that provides amazing power on the business side. On the lifestyle side of the house, they're going to, they're going to have a hell of a lot of work to do. Do you think Microsoft even cares that they are a sort of destination site? I think they do care, but I think yeah. they care more about the integration with their tools. Because if you take a look at why they bought LinkedIn, I believe is because of that database. Um, Microsoft has failed over and over and over um, in trying to build a, a lifestyle kind of site where everybody can come and they can get all their data that they want and yada, 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 right? Yeah. Um, Microsoft so, has no success on consumer no. platforms. Horrible. So I think this is a great opportunity for them to have somewhat kind of, you know, consumer success, but really focus on integration into their tools and making those things just more hearty and powerful. Don't you think it's just a matter of time before they just make job postings free? Like, it seems like they should just do that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's coming, and I think we've seen that over the years, like with Indeed, where they go out and they scrape career uh, corporate career sites. So, I mean, we're there in some cases. So, I mean, that's. But good. do you think do you think Microsoft would do like a scraping, or do you think they would just say, "Hey, uh, you know, set up your company site, post jobs for free, manage your candidates through LinkedIn"? Like to me, that seems like more, and then they can then they can just you know. Uh, bridge everybody over to the the Microsoft products and services, which is where the real money is anyway. Yeah, if they're smart, what they do is they start providing um, products, solutions within LinkedIn that helps with candidate engagement, right? Because companies suck at that right now. um, And they've sucked for years, well, let's say decades at candidate engagement. Maybe, you know, that, that might be an opportunity for them. 
Um, but you know, who knows? I think they're really they're they're trying to keep their eye on the prize, which is going to be revenues, and those revenues are going to be driven by um, the uh, the products that they already already have in place. So the the Dynamics three six five. Yeah, and, and speaking of revenues, uh, another news item from this week. What you know, way overdue uh, for LinkedIn is they just introduced uh, some new targeting options for advertising, um, and somewhat somewhat just caught up with Facebook and Twitter and Google and some others. Um, and if you're a marketer out there, you're probably familiar with a lot of these. But you know, finally, LinkedIn has the ability to put some code on your own website, and when someone from LinkedIn visits, they'll then start seeing your ad when they go to LinkedIn and other. Uh, sites on the network, uh, particularly the Pulse uh, acquisition that they made a few years ago, um, as well as targeting companies, really just being able to laser focus your messages, um, which is a big, big step for them. Um, yeah. And I, I can I can tell you a lot of HR tech companies are celebrating because they've been waiting for that option. Yeah, it's it's fairly simple. Welcome to the party, LinkedIn. It's about damn time. You guys should have been innovators in this shit, and now you're finally catching up. Thank goodness. Thank goodness you're you're catching up, but uh, yeah, thank yeah, welcome to the party. And uh, I know traditionally they've been on the more expensive end of advertising, um, so maybe this sort of laser focus will help them cut costs and, and get more people on their platform. But uh, kudos to them for finally catching up and coming to the party. Yeah, better late than never. Yep. Uh, the, bell. the bell rang, which you know what the bell means. Next topic. Next topic. Okay, automation continues to uh, make all of us humans irrelevant. Oh, it's like uh, the latest. The latest startup called Vervo. Yes. Um, if not Bell Biv DeVoe, which was one of your favorites from back in the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, v E R V O E. Uh, the site explains itself as an inbound hiring and recruiting platform that helps innovate startups uh, by hiring great people faster through automated interviews. So again, we're looking at another company looking to robotize. Yeah. Uh, the the whole process. Um, are you are you bullish or bearish on these guys? No, I mean I'm 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 really bullish. I mean the I don't I'm not really sure that they're going to take um, hires from 28 days to four days, which is what their website says. Um, but it looks like it's it I means seriously. It looks like a repackaged hire view uh, with maybe some enhancements. I mean it's got interviewing assessments, but really at the end of the day that. F- taking it down to four days scenario, there still has to be human intervention and that it that's from the hiring managers. And we all know in most cases, hiring managers are slow as shit to actually look at their candidates and actually get people hired. So, you know, you can do as much as you can do. Um, and we take a look at the sourcing piece. So, you know, Brylant and hiring solved taking, you know, sourcing instead of it being days to source through resumes, it takes seconds now. Then being able to look at Vervo or maybe a Calendly or something like that, that makes scheduling easy and transparent. Uh, and then getting into a interviewing, pretty much interviewing system like this or, or higher view, the pieces have already been there. The thing is very you know good on Vervo or however you say this, Vervo, I believe, um, for actually packaging it this way. I mean, it's been out there. It just hasn't been packaged in this fashion. So, um, yeah, good for them. You know, it reminds me um, a, a couple of weeks ago, you, you talked to super sourcer Jimmy Stroud. Yep. Um, straight off the uh, SourceCon conference and the competition that they had with, um, was it Brylant? It was Brylant, yeah. Brylant Robot. Um, 
you know, it, it, to me, it seems like <clears throat> we're tackling certain layers of the recruiting process. So sourcing, you get the, the, the tools you mentioned, um, you know, cutting down sourcing from hours of, or days of time yep. uh, to seconds to minutes for a machine to do that and doing it almost as well yeah. um, as human beings. And then you're looking at, OK, let's take let's take this short list and now let's automate the interview process. So then the next level is, OK, let's do that. Uh, with you know autom- with through automation and then at some point I think definitely a human being has to talk to another human being oh yeah but it sounds like we're going to be able to take you know recruiting teams from you know let's say 25 to eight or five so yeah you know that process and then moving into even the onboarding process of a company and HR and you know how viable are, are the HR department positions that we have uh, that are going to be automated so I think Layer by layer, this thing is sort of cutting into um, just the processes of, of corporate America. Yeah. Well, corporate top, world. Top talent guys like Jimmy Stroud, man. I mean, he he's reinvented himself a million times and he will continue to do so. But that's exactly what sourcers and recruiters are going to have to do um, with all of this technology. It's going, to, it's going to help them do what they do now faster um, it's going to be more efficient. You're going to be able to get to candidates quicker, better, better candidates quicker. Um, but you're really in, in, I think smart companies are, are really going to focus on that human touch and those, and, and those recruiters are going to have to turn into more brand ambassadors and really the focus on that experience versus, you know, just being a recruiter who's pushing people through a process. There was a, uh, a session from TA Tech um, last week or the week before, and I think it was someone at recruiting at, at, at GE, I believe. And yeah. her comment was interesting. She said, "It's not about jobs; um, it's about employment brand." So it seems like the whole filling a job thing, yeah, will be automated or more and more automated. But the actual how do you know who are we as a company oh, is dude. still going to be a human process, and I'm not sure that can ever go you know, to the robots, well, at least no. not in our lifetime. No. And, and you see, you see companies like GE who have a product brand. They're really going to care about that because how they treat candidates, those candidates are customers as well. And as talent acquisition starts to understand their place in business, which they still haven't yet, um, they, they dramatically impact the bottom line. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree hundred percent. Let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue with a little automation um, and some more Big Brother stuff. So uh, stick around, everybody. (laughs) America's Job Exchange is a market leader in diversity recruitment and an OFCCP compliance solution provider. We serve over 1,000 customers, consisting of federal contractors and subcontractors, to SMBs and Fortune 500 organizations. America's Job Exchange specializes in job distribution to over 6,500 state one-stop career centers and community-based organizations, ensures the creation and maintenance of state credentials, obtains veteran preference on job postings, robust outreach management, and supports effective, positive recruitment efforts designed to recruit individuals with disabilities, veterans, women, and minorities. For more information, call us at 866-926-6284 or visit us at www.americasjobexchange.com. Automate that compliance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have somebody else do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So a lot of really smart people came out this week or recently, um, much smarter than us, talking about automation and essentially a really bad time to be a human being. Uh, you read one particularly from Elon Musk, founder of Tesla and uh, whatever spaceship company it is, Rocket X or what SpaceX and uh, a few others. Um, what did you take away from some of those comments from that article? Well, my takeaway was it was fairly simple. You got you got a bunch of guys who were pretty much saying, "Hey, look, you know, we've got to get ready for this. Robots are going to take a ton of jobs." So, the Bill Gates of the world, Mark Cuban, um you talked about Elon Musk, uh, I mean, even Jeff Bezos has talked about uh having really plans for uh employee-free grocery stores. So, going into the grocery stores, and being employee free. So, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, but you've got to remember, you know, these guys are on the edge of innovation and they're looking for inefficient or they're looking for inefficiencies within their organization. How can they become more efficient? And these are these are great ways to, to be able to do that. Um, so, I mean, from your standpoint, what are you seeing from from the, the, the big names out there talking about this? Yeah, I mean, brilliant people are scared or at least, you know, cautiously optimistic. Um, Elon Musk, for example, has set up, he set up two entities. One was to um, basically study the impact of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and, and how we can essentially defend ourselves or a way that we could fend off any sort of negative impacts from AI. Um, and the second company I, I think that recently he's talking about is um, essentially plugging in the human brain or basically uh, putting the human brain on the same platform as artificial intelligence. So I don't know what in the world this looks like. I don't yeah. know if we plug our brain in for you know a couple hours a day to catch up with with the the, the processing power of a you know an artificial intelligence entity. But <clears throat> you know these are smart people and they're they're concerned about this, and and we certainly should be as well. Jack Ma, particularly, um, yeah. you know the the founder of Alibaba uh, in China. I mean, he's talking about dark days. Um, over the next 30 years or so, um, you know, and this is going to impact hiring, uh, recruiting, everything, you know, everybody and everything I would think is going to be uh, impacted by this. Well, um, in Bill Gates, I mean, Bill Gates actually said that, you know, companies are going to have to start paying taxes on these robots to be able to make up for lost income, income tax. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's one thing. And then we've talked about or at least uh, Elon Musk has talked about how he believes robots will take so many jobs in, in the next century that government's going to have to start paying people salaries even if they don't work. <laughs> yeah, well, Canada this week, you know, they, um, they announced they're doing sort of a project, uh, I believe in Ontario somewhere. Um, they're guaranteeing a certain amount of families, um, the equivalent of about 14,000 U.S. dollars a year. Yeah. To do nothing. Yeah. And 4, I can tell you, if, if you know, Essentially, it's government saying, look, we don't want you to bring out the pitchforks and the fire and start burning everything <laughs> down. How do we pacify the masses? Um, and maybe 14,000 years, the dollar figure, I don't know. But it seems like that's where, you know, we're going. Yeah, I, I think I think what's going going to have to happen is we're we're really going to have to focus on this issue and we're going to have to hit it head on. That's all there is to it, because. 
from, you know, an industry standpoint from, I mean, we've talked about it in pretty much every single show we've done, whether it's drivers, accountants, I mean, it doesn't matter, white collar, blue collar, this is going to be an issue on in all areas where jobs are routine, period, right? So we're going to have to hit this one way or the other. I think, you know, a guy like Bill Gates talking about income tax on robots makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, but what do we do to go past that and actually create jobs so we're not, you know, riding around like Wally? If you remember the, the, the kids show Wally, where we're just sitting around watching TV, having, uh, having robots feed us for goodness sakes. And, and I mean, we, what do we do? What do clearly, we do? Clearly, clearly, clearly human beings, uh, gained value and, and self-worth through employment and, and doing a job. Exactly. Um, if your existence is, you know, government check and if everyone's existence is that, and there's no hope for a job because the robots do it a lot better and cheaper. Um, that's obviously a very sad future. Um, the one thing that I can't quite get my head around is uh -huh. who's going to buy all the stuff. In well, other words, yeah. if we don't today have, we go to, you know, it's sort of like the old, uh, you know, the Henry Ford thing, right? Like, he raised minimum wage or he raised his wages so his employees could buy the cars that they were creating. Uh -huh. um, if, if, if everything gets driven down to zero or close to zero and there aren't any jobs, I mean, who's going to buy the stuff? Eventually there's got to be a, a breaking point where automation is just too much. And we, we basically kill our, you know, cut our nose off to spite our face, so to speak. Um, I don't know when that is or if that, is, you know, when that is or if that happens. But to me, that just seems like a question that we should ask is like, who's going to buy the stuff if no one's getting paid a salary worth, you know, that, that's enabling, enabling them to buy stuff? Yeah. If there's no income, <laughs> there's no there's no money coming in. There's no money going out. If there's no money going out, nothing's being bought. So, yeah, that's the basic economics and scary stuff. Yep, this is obviously not a topic that's going to die anytime soon. I hope our listeners don't get bored of it because it's just going to be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Uh, but it is incredibly interesting and it has ramifications way beyond uh, recruiting and employment. I mean, we're talking like, you know, human sort of existence and, and how we do things in the Community, future. Community, so, everything, yeah. Yeah. It, re rely on us to keep you informed of what's going on in, in automation. Um and speaking of, speaking of automation, uh, we're starting to automate the process of eavesdropping um, on our employees. And basically, you know, privacy is at a crossroads here in, in my mind. And there are a few stories this past week uh, that really bring that to a head. But the first thing that we, we came across was uh, there is a new there is a new company uh, or solution called Vibe. Yeah. Um, it's produced by a company called Airs out in China, I believe. But they've they've essentially created a, a program that will look at the, the conversations of employees on Slack. And from that, they will garner uh, what is the, what is the mood or the morale of the company? Uh -huh. um, they do this for Slack, but they also do it for um, hip chat and a few others. So, uh, you know, I think that people understand that if I send an email through the company, um, my employer could read it. But I don't think there's an understanding of if they're if they're if they're, you know, eavesdropping on everything and they're creating a basically a morale profile of the company or maybe my own pro, or my own morale. Right. Um, but that becomes a really interesting future and maybe a dangerous future for the work, the workforce. 
Well, I mean, where this really gets scary is not Slack because Slack's going to get bought up or they're going to get eaten up or or something like that. But with Facebook, Um, because if you get if you have an opportunity to start eavesdropping, not just on the conversations that are happening within Facebook business or what have you, but really throughout that entire lifestyle platform. That's when things get incredibly interesting. Not to mention Google. I mean, there's there's some there's some big players that are out there um, who are. <laughs> it's interesting. The Circle is coming out this weekend. The movie, uh, and this sounds a hell of a lot like it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think if people really knew what Google knew about them, and others, and Facebook as well. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if they would be scared. I think there's a generational gap that says, "Who cares." Um, and maybe you and I are just too old to, to be in that group. Um, but it is, it is a little bit scary. I, I don't, so if let's, let's assume, let's assume Google does some sort of jobs play, right. Yeah. And, and they know that you're, they know that you're, uh, emailing on Gmail. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm looking for a new job. Maybe you're, they know you're sending out resumes through Gmail and now they're either going to serve you ads um, you know, based like job postings based on, Oh, they're looking right. for a job. Maybe, yeah. maybe advertisers are alerted, like, okay, target people who are talking about looking for a new job. I mean, as an advertiser, that's great as a consumer. I don't know. That's a little bit scary. Um, and, I, and I don't know if people think there's a line between I'm at work and it's okay. And I'm not at work. It's not okay. But yeah. privacy continues to be a, a, a really interesting issue. Um, another story from this past week, um, Yik Yak, which I think you're familiar with. Yeah. Um, not that all of our listeners are. Yik Yak is essentially anonymity to the nth degree. Um, it was a, a, an iPhone, Android app, and they didn't ask for any information whatsoever. You could just, just boot it up, click the icon, start commenting um, randomly, anonymously, um, now they did do some geofencing where, you know, they tried to say, okay, let's just have a really anonymous, uh, echo chamber in this, on this certain campus or maybe this certain city. Right. Um, but this is a company that, that garnered tens of millions, uh, I think upward of $70 million in investment money and essentially died on the vine and was, uh, acquired by square, uh, the same, uh, same group that's run by Jack Dorsey, uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. For roughly $3 million, uh, allegedly. So, you know, basically they were bought for the employees that were still there and could still develop and build stuff. So it was an aqua hire as opposed to a legitimate hire. Right. And we're looking, you know, you look at, there was an app called Secret, you know, I don't know, there's one called Whisper. I don't know how um, prevalent that still is, but there seems to be a backlash on anonymity. Um, you know, we looked at, we talked about Glassdoor a week or so ago, you know, they're getting sued. Trolls, uh, by companies yeah. to you know reveal who sources are. Mm-hmm. I mean, where does privacy go from here? Well, I mean, you take a look at it. There's got to be a balance, and if there, if you allow trolling just to happen, and there's no, I mean, seriously, you see all these keyboard warriors that are out there who will say whatever they feel like they 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 want to say because they don't have to actually look somebody in the face. Whether it's on Glassdoor, Yik Yak, it doesn't matter if they have anonymity. They pretty much can puff their chest out and, and, and they can be the hero. Um, there's got to be a balance there. You know, there's got to be, there's got to be accountability, especially in the case with, with Glassdoor when the judge said, you know what? Um, these two, 
Uh, I can see where that could definitely impact business. Let's let's investigate that. I mean that that is something that I think is incredibly legitimate. Um, there is value in an, an anonymity, right? I mean, oh, if, if you take away and if you take that away from Glassdoor, anonymity, responsible anonymity. <laughs> sure, but I mean, the reviews the reviews die if anonymity goes away on Glassdoor. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And is that a healthy thing? I I agree, but we also have to understand that we just can't start throwing Molotov cocktails into you know virtual Molotov cocktails into businesses. You know, we have to be smart about what we say. And if we do say something um, that's hurting the business, we'd better have something to back it up. And we better be ready, not just just have anecdotes, but to have proof to back it up. And when uh, a data breach story this past week, um, HipChat, which is a we talk about Slack a lot, but HipChat is also a, another sort of enterprise messenger service, um, had a potential data breach this past week. Uh, HipChat two years or um, Slack two years ago had a breach as well. Um, do you think those kinds of security measures or lack of security plays into privacy or do you think people are just immune to it at this point? No, you better not be immune to this. And and the thing is that organizations um, who have your data, uh, they, they have to be incredibly diligent about this. Uh, I remember listening to... To Malcolm Nance, who is, you know, one of the foremost guys on not just security, but he was a spy, he was with NAS and CIA and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's pretty much said that, you know, if we want to be able to get into your system, we're going to get in. It's all about resources. So, you know, it's one of the things that organizations have to be incredibly diligent about because hackers are coming up with incredibly... Um, creative ways to send emails uh, and mask things to, to, to suck information out of them and gain access to networks. Yeah. And speaking of automation, it, it cuts both ways, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, we talk about employees that are using automation, but they're job seekers using automation and applying yeah. to tons of jobs automatically through through algorithms and, and you know. Scripts. Code. Scripts, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I'd love to see a story that, that says someone is is eighty you know deep sixing other companies on Glassdoor through automation. Uh-huh. You know, sort of a sort of a black hat solution that says, "Look, we'll destroy your competition with bad reviews through our technology." Not that I'm saying go make this go make it if it doesn't exist, but I'd be surprised if it doesn't or eventually will. Yeah, I think I think anything that's black hat, anything like that, is already happening. Um, they're just not going to come out with a product for it. Because it'll be illegal. All right, man. Again, uh, privacy, another topic not maybe as prevalent as automation that we'll keep in the news. Uh, but let's take um, a quick break and talk a little bit about job boards dying, a topic that's totally new and <laughs> never been covered before whatsoever. Yeah. Recruitment is an interesting space. We all say we're looking for a cool, new, fresh source of talent. Meanwhile, We keep going back to the same old sites and sources again and again. So here's something you may not have tried. Beyond's Flex Plan. Beyond.com is a powerhouse with over 56 million job seekers and huge site traffic. They've helped thousands of companies connect with talent through job advertising, resume search, email marketing, text recruiting, and more. Beyond's Flex Plan gives you targeted exposure for all your jobs for one low, flat rate. Here's how it works. You tell Beyond how many jobs you have, and Beyond gives you one simple price 
to market all of your jobs in its diverse network. Beyond pulls the jobs right from your career site and uses an algorithm to target the right talent. No messy cost per click and monthly budgets and such. Just set it and forget it. And here's a Chad and Cheese podcast special. Try Beyond's Flex Plan Trial Package. It's a three-month, full-service trial at 80% off of their Flex Plan rate. 80% off. Just go to beyond.com slash cheddar to learn more. That's beyond.com slash C-H-E-D-D-A-R. You see, Beyond is even way beyond what LinkedIn has been doing. LinkedIn is finally catching up with this this whole targeting and retargeting thing. Beyond's got this thing already locked down. They've been doing it for a long time, and they do a really good job at, uh, at it. If, you, if you're not using Beyond, um, you guys definitely need to uh, get a demo from them and see what they can do. 80%. You know, Chad, over the last 10 years, I'd say there's no question I get more than our job board's dead. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you're probably in the same boat. Yeah. You know, I we could do a whole show on this topic, but we just have a, a fairly short news item. Um mm-hmm. Story came out, uh, job boards aren't dead, they're just maturing, uh, which was fun because it was from the uh, AARP who's providing a new job site. Uh, it's got to be a replacement. I can't imagine that AARP is just now getting a job site. Um, but it, it to me, it's interesting to speak to the question of if you're going to have a successful job board, you know, mm-hmm. what does that actually look like today? Right. And you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was okay, I can set up shop in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I can optimize the hell out of my site. So when people search Indianapolis jobs, you know, my, my site comes up, I sell job postings at 200 bucks a clip or whatever. And right. I pay for the advertising. I have a salesperson. I mean, that used to be the old way of, of sort of doing job boards. Right. And I think that that is mostly gone. I don't see very many, if at all, local sites or even industry niche sites just launching from ground zero, it seems to me like if you're going to do a niche site, uh, the mm-hmm. value is already having an existing audience like ARP, um, you know, like a media site, like a, another association site. Right. Um, because the big, you know, the big vert, the big verticals are, are, are the big, you know, horizontals are done, right? Like indeed is sort of one, um, there are probably a couple others that you could throw in there beyond career builder. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting in terms of what, what is a successful job board today? And it seems like really going after something has an existing audience. And I talked to the, uh, the founder at jobboard.io uh-huh. fairly recently. And he seemed to kind of echo this, that, you know, the, the job boards that, that people sort of get his out of the box solution, the ones that are successful tend to be the ones that they're plugging it into, you know, an existing education site or, you know, radio site or whatever it is that's existing. Um, But the days of like launching from ground zero seem to be over. Well, it's funny because I mean, the, the story is very tongue in cheek with regard to, you know, that job boards are maturing and then they start talking about AARP. But yeah, I mean, back in the days, you know, when you and I started, I mean, with eSpan and, and online career center and those morphed into, you know, bigger, bigger job boards. Uh, and that heck that was, you know, back in the late nineties. Um, that was, again, that was, that, that was what we see as a job board. What we're starting to see um, 
organizations do like career builder is diversifying not just being a job board but having end-to-end solutions beyond having an amazing network with these retargeting skills and things of that nature and they have a huge database right so if you are an organization and you're trying to grow something from the ground up the biggest thing that you have to think about right out of the gate is what is your demographic? I mean, do you have a community that you want to tap into or are you going to try to be this this big general kind of a job board thing, which I think is is a huge mistake? Um, so look at those communities and then you have to take a look at how those communities actually engage on the web. Is it content? Is it, you know, are they 18 to 34 year olds? I mean, the demographic, are they Snapchat? What are they? Is a job board really what you want to get into um, this is a big question, you know, and, and today, uh, if you're not doing that research, then, you know, just throwing a job board up and, and having job postings and hope that just because you build it, they will come um, is going to be an issue. I mean, partnerships are going to be huge, uh, but really understanding who your core audience is and finding the ways to engage them is going to be the biggest the biggest piece of, of the pie there. Yeah, to me, to me, it's the tech play. Um, you know, to me, Career Builder moving away from its brand, you know, that orange and blue yeah. Career Builder logo, and and becoming a technology company, making acquisitions um, that are really tech in nature for the most part. You know, to me, that's where survival is going to be. You know, the, the days of just paying $500 for a job posting, you know, forget that. Uh, companies are their own career sites. Uh, there are advertising mediums that exist now that didn't exist, you know, 15 years ago. People understand, you know, stuff like pay-per-click advertising better. Um, you really have to add value. And, you know, you and I are going to be at the JobGate conference uh, in a couple months. And I'm really interested to hear, you know, how job, how job boards are really adding value um, what their pricing model, how it's evolving. Um, I'm hoping we get a lot of, of good stuff out of that. But oh, um, job sure boards are definitely challenged. They're not dead. I mean, radio's not dead. Newspapers aren't dead. Um, they're, they're probably not growing for the most part. Yeah. Um, so where is that growth? Where is it going to come? Um, I'm interested to see where that is. Uh, but for the most part, quick story, like if you want to be successful, go build a technology that does job boards and then go – Go partner with association sites and have them pay you, you know, hundred bucks a month to use your your job board technology. Yeah, well, and, and you know, at the end of this thing, one thing that we haven't talked about this entire podcast has been Google Hire and the Google Jobs API. I mean, again, we're talking about this is an entirely different world that we're in today. Go figure. I mean, we're talking, you know, twenty years, just about twenty years later. Um, but you can't use 1990s technology today um, unless you are hyper focused on an AARP. And you're talking about a group who's used to job boards. That's how they're used to, to searching. That's how they connect. And you're doing it through a brand that you know and, and possibly love. So I do miss the 90s, though. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go listen to Wonderwall after the show. And uh, <laughs> it's been fun as always. Uh, have a great week. Excellent, man. Good one. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single show. And check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit HireDaily.com. Oh, and you're welcome. How much do you understand 
the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.